the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. Welcome to The Art of Significance with your host, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author, university professor, gold record songwriter, and award-winning athlete, Dan Clark. Get ready for engaging discussions with some of the most influential people in the world who will impart their wisdom, stories, and inspiration on why and how to achieve the level beyond success. Now here's your host, Dan Clark. Hey, Dan Clark Nation. I shouldn't flatter myself. I am so excited to have this show, and I appreciate all the input and feedback I've received over the last week. Last week, last Tuesday being my first show on the air, and this is our second show, promising to always tell the entire truth. With fake news coming from politicians and from news sources, uh, all of them being equally as guilty as the other, I want you to find some entertainment, some humor, and a focus on how certain individuals across the board from the worlds of music, business, military, family life are influencing the world and changing it one story at a time. So with that promise of complete, whole, unbiased truth, let me tell you a story. These two neighbor ladies have been best friends forever and they have a row. And they stop talking to each other for over six months. It's that big of a fight. And one day they both inadvertently show up at the curb taking out some trash and run into each other. And obviously they can't ignore the personal interaction. And they end up crying and shedding some tears and hugging and making up and burying the hatchets and saying how foolish it's been for us to be estranged for six months. And they go back to their individual homes And one woman is in her family room. She looks out the window into her backyard and sees her big dog with something in its mouth. So obviously she goes out to investigate. And wouldn't you know it, it's her neighbor lady's pet rabbit. She's like, oh, no. We just patched up our friendship. We just buried the hatchet. And now my dog kills my neighbor lady's rabbit. What would you do? Well, of course, she takes the dead rabbit into her home. She puts it in the kitchen sink. She takes some soap and water and she washes the fur until it's fluffy and clean. And and then she takes out her blow dryer and fluffs up the fur so it looks magnificent. And then she tiptoes across her property line into her neighbor lady's backyard and puts the rabbit, the dead rabbit, back into the rabbit hutch. About 30 minutes later, she hears this blood-curdling scream. Ah! She runs outside to investigate to see what's up, and she asks her neighbor, what's going on? She goes, oh my gosh, our rabbit died two weeks ago. We buried it in the garden, and now it's back in its cage. (laughs) Again, the whole truth, the complete truth, the unbiased truth, with a little humor thrown in. And so today's program is going to be magnificent. Yes, our first guest will will talk about the influence of music in our lives and how that song helps us remember when and literally transforms our lives. 
The second session is going to be so significant because I'm coming to you from Whiteman Air Force Base, which is part of the Global Strike Command, the home of the B-2 bomber, the big giant stealth wing that we have watched and admired all these years. And I'm going to have an interview, an awesome interview with a retired major general from the United States Air Force who can answer all the questions about what's really going on with North Korea and how did it get to this point and what's really happening with China and with Russia and the global environment and climate and why is the Cold War still strong as it once was before and answer the question so we don't have to rely on fake news or the the wondering if this person is using confirmation bias or if this person is telling us something that's not the complete and whole truth. And then in the final segment, we've got Mark Kidd, who's not only an expert in sports marketing, but he's one of the greatest entrepreneurs and marketers on the history in the history of marketing. And he will field some questions about how do you market yourself? How do you understand that in life there's no such thing as a idea crisis, only uh, excuse me, no such thing as a financial crisis, only an idea crisis. Ideas create income. And guaranteed, Mark is one of my greatest friends. He's going to be invited as a co-host multiple times as often as his his uh, calendar will permit. But we will have a great discussion. In fact, I remember the significance of entrepreneurship, that there's no such thing as a financial crisis, only an idea crisis. When I shared the program with Joshua Reynolds, And if that name does not ring a bell, he's the guy that invented and marketed the Thighmaster, 1990, Suzanne Summers. Some of you will remember those TV commercials, the Thighmaster. And in the same year, Joshua Reynolds invented the Mood Ring. What a hoot. And as I followed him on the program, I said, I am so grateful that Mood Ring really works. I bought one for my wife to kind of keep my finger on her pulse to see what her mood was, to see how I could figure out how she's thinking and feeling. And I said, sure enough, it works. Every time she was in a good mood, the mood ring turned blue. And every time she was in a bad mood, it left a red mark on my forehead. (laughs) Yes, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. My desire today is about changing your perspective on yourself, on your life, on your understanding of the crazy volatile world in which we live, and especially on our ability to market ourselves and our ideas. Let's talk. We all have to rely on our personal experiences. As you'll hear me say week after week, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are, knowing that if all of us on this program Myself as the host and all of you listeners were looking out the same window, looking at the same lashing rainstorm, and one of us said, what a horrible day, and the rest of us said, oh no, it's wonderful. The weather did not change. We don't see things as they are. We see things as we are, but at the same time, my desire as your host, especially today, is to once and for all, once and forevermore, change your perspective on life because it was forever changed for me on October 23rd, 2010, when I had the rare opportunity to soar to the edge of space in a U-2 reconnaissance aircraft. If you wanna watch a 15 minute documentary on this five hour sortie, it's on Dan Clark U-2 spy plane, and you can watch it on YouTube. 
But because we're on air, let me tell you the story. It's a classified mission. So I can only tell you that at 70,000 feet above the Earth's surface, you see two-thirds of the state of California. At 80,000 feet above the Earth's surface, you see mapped outlines of America. And at 90,000 feet above the Earth's surface, you actually tear up and believe and feel like you can reach out and touch the face of God. It was a spiritual experience that I wish every one of you could have. For over four hours, I sat in the sounds of silence, looking at the curvature of the earth, gazing into the endless blackness of space, pondering eternity and trying to figure out how I fit in. One person amidst these billions of people on this planet, this mother earth, and did my life matter? And if not, what do I need to do to make sure my life matter matters? And then I started thinking and, 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 and really asking the deepest questions about purpose for life. Noticing that if we're the only ones here, what a waste of space. And I started questioning, are we more than mere mortal beings living on a small planet for a short season? And without going to that religious side, may I just prick your conscience and at least plant a seed? Because I say travel the world, I often have people come up to me in some sort of discussion and they say, you know what, Dan, I don't believe in God. And I always respond by saying, okay, what version of God is it that you don't believe in? There are so many. There's a really good chance that I don't believe in the same God that you don't believe in either. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there in the endless expanse of space, pondering my purpose. Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? What's it really all about? But here's the significance that will tee up the rest of the show today, my friends. When we landed, what occurred to me is that everything we can take with us when we die, I had aboard with me on that aircraft. Our education, let's talk about it. We don't learn to know, we learn to do. Think about it. We've all been taught that knowledge is power, but knowledge has no heart. We don't learn to know, we learn to do. All the information in the world is going to make a person successful. It's like the guy who has three PhDs, one in philosophy, one in psychology, one in sociology. He doesn't have a job, but at least he can explain why. Ha. So the quote, the powerful lesson is reason leads to conclusions, but it is emotion that leads to action. And that's why I want you to join me on my website, danclerk.com. I want you to go there. I want you to click on receive free gifts and training. Join my tribe and start getting free videos and free training and free, free quotes so that we can keep in touch. Remember what I said last week, which I'll remind us about every week. We become the average of the five people we associate with the most, not just belly to belly in person, but on the, online, on the Internet. The second of four things that we can take with us when we die is our character. How did we deal with adversity? Remember my story about recovering from a 14-month paralysis as a result of a football accident? Yeah, adversity introduces us to ourselves. No one will ever know how good we can become until we're tested. The third thing we can take with us when we die is our, is, is, is our convictions. How deeply do we believe? And how... How well do we embrace the, 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 the trifecta? Some things are true whether you believe them or not. Everybody's entitled to an opinion, but nobody's entitled to the wrong facts. And yes, we shouldn't believe everything that we think. Let me illustrate that last one. We all know what happened in our country on September 11, 2001. Where were you? I know exactly where I was and the lessons I learned. 
But for some reason, for the 30 days after September 11th, our youngest, most impressionable children, ages sixth grade and under, that's 12 years of age and under, for some reason, they were left in this constant state of paranoia and trepidation. Loud noises frightened them, and they couldn't concentrate on school. So after 30 days, the American School Counselors Association decided to spearhead a one-question survey that they took to all 50 states, asking our most young, youngest, most impressionable children what happened on September 11th. And to a T, across the board in all 50 states, they all said, bad men stole jets, crashed them into buildings, killing thousands of people, and they kept doing it. Whoa. What we as adults and as educators and as parents failed to realize that our youngest, most impressionable children could not differentiate between real TV, live TV, and video replay. So bless their hearts, every single library, every single retail store, every single home had their television sets on 24-7, tuned into the coverage of the September 11th attack. And our youngest, most impressionable children believed that we had been attacked 10 to 15 to 20 times every single day for 30 days in a row. It's hard enough for us to deal with reality, let alone the misconceptions around. Which brings us to the last thing that we can take with us when we die. Did my life make a difference? Did my life matter? Did I leave a legacy of service before self? That's what this show is about, my friends. What I really want you to know Dan Clark, Voice of America, influence your channel. We're going to take a momentary break, hear from uh, who we need to hear from, and then come back with our very first guest, Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter, amazing human being, philosopher, dear friend, Monty Powell. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. 
If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back. You're listening to uh, Dan Clark on voiceamerica.com, the influencers channel. Again, my website is danclark.com. Join my tribe. Click on receive free gifts and training so we can keep in touch. As you uh, know by now, and hopefully the reputation will spread, because this is the influencers channel, I believe in my heart of hearts that the international language is music. And I believe in my heart of hearts that if you're in a bad mood, you can change your mood through music. If you're way overzealous, if you're hyper, you can mellow out with some smooth jazz or some sort of classical guitar. Music influences our lives more powerfully and more quickly than any other venue. And it is my honor and my privilege to bring to the, to the show one of my dear friends, Monty Powell. And I want to help you understand the significance of the next two segments with this superstar. Monty Powell is one of the most successful songwriters in country music history with over 60 million records containing one of his songs with Keith Urban, Lady Antebellum, Antebellum, Rascal Flatts, Tim McGraw, Brooks and Dunn, Chris Cagle, James Otto, Jody Messina, Chuck Wicks, and Diamond Rio. In his 30-year career, Monty has won CMA Album of the Year for producing Songs of the Eagles in tribute to Merle Haggard. Nominated for Country Music Association Song of the Year for Keith Urban's Tonight I Want to Cry, named CSAC's Country Songwriter of the Year, won the CMA Triple Play Award for penning three number one songs in the same year, and then he received a Golden Globe nomination for Best Song and a Motion Picture for You with Keith Urban in, in the great military movie called Act of Valor. With his wife, jazz recording artist-songwriter Anna Wilson, Monty produced a project of reimagined songs by Billy Joel called Nashville State of Mind, which you all will love, featuring artists like Lyle Lovett, Willie Nelson, and others. And currently, Monty and his wife Anna, currently they record and perform with their new band called Troubadour 77, which we'll hear about in the second segment. Monty Powell, welcome to the Influencers Channel. Welcome to my show. How are you, good brother? Dan Clark, I am so good. And thank you for all of those uh, amazing, kind words. I, I kept getting more embarrassed as it went on, and, and, and thankfully it finally got over so that we could actually well, chat. But wow, what a setup. Thank you. Well, the funniest thing and the saddest thing is that I could go on and on. You have probably a four-page bio, and I had to consolidate it into 990 words so I could put it on our promo. But well, I'm telling you, you know what? what? It's, that's great. In, in the very first 10 seconds of us talking, you've already identified one of the great things that songwriters do, which is take huge reams of information about life and love and death and things like that and consolidate it into three-and-a-half-minute vignettes that we live and breathe to. So. We're off to a good start. Get that information consolidated. So teach us about you. When did you discover in your life that you actually had an ability to take an entire story and consolidate it into a three-minute and 40-second song? I grew up as a big fan of John Denver, who I thought was a beautiful songwriter, singer-songwriter in the 70s. 
And I thought his lyrics and his stories were really compelling, and they had an arc. Most of them were about something, and you could follow them linearly, sort of from A to B to C to D, and I found that really compelling. And I didn't really play an instrument. I was 10 or 11 years old, hadn't picked up a guitar yet, So, but I felt like that I had something that I really needed to say. And so I sat down and I wrote my own lyrics to the tunes, to the melodies of John Denver songs. And I still wow. have those, those notebooks uh, in my possession when I was 10 or 11 years old. And before I actually found the music part of songwriting, I was already using someone else's melody to put my words in and tell the stories that were important to me. So when did you start learning to play the guitar? Ladies and gentlemen, Monty's not only a hit songwriter, but you were one of the best guitar players on the planet. And I remember coming to your home several times. And one time, if you remember, before you moved into Green Hills, you had just come back from a guitar lesson. And I'm thinking, you're already one of the great guitar players on our planet, and you're still taking guitar lessons. Teach me about the the process of continuing education that's brought you from where you were to where you are today. Well, absolutely. Uh, and that's one of the things I love about what you're talking about. We, we all continue to grow. We all continue to learn. I picked up a guitar at 12 years old. I've played basically either semi-professionally or professionally my whole life. And, and there's, there's always a new nugget out there. There's always a new path forward for continuing education. Even if you're at the top of the food chain in your little silo or your little vertical of where you exist, there's another silo or a vertical 15 feet next to you that you're not the top of the food chain. Uh, So moving horizontally between all the places where people are really hitting the top of what it was that they do, there's still so many paths for you to learn uh, about music or really any other path that you're pursuing, branding, marketing, the things that you're talking about, personal development, you, you never reach the top. You only reach a plateau, and then you you look horizontally for the other folks who are out there on a different axis from you. I love it. So did you create your first break, or did you get your first break in music? I created my first break. There's no doubt about that. I, um, In fact, I'm going to quote you, if you don't mind, um, One of my favorite quotes I use all of the time came from you, and that is, travel any amount of distance and spend any amount of money to spend quality time with exceptional people. And I found someone, his name was Tim Dubois, and he had written several number one songs. He managed Vince Gill. He had worked with Restless Heart. And we had a connection in Nashville and I followed him around <laughs> like a stalker, not the scary kind, but the kind, the person that knows that there's a path, there's something there for me and him. And I would make sure that I was at events that I knew that he was going to be at. Uh, I made sure that he knew who I was. And eventually, you know, the circle turned and I got my chance to sit down in front of him and tell him, what I really wanted to do and show him some of the things that I was working on. And he really became my, my mentor, but it, it was not an accident. It was, it was a pursuit. And I love it. So if you remember when we first met, it was at the Lowe's hotel across from Vanderbilt. And I had just gotten through speaking to all of the student athletes at Vanderbilt university. And you still had your tuxedo on. You were coming from the BMI awards and you had just received a huge award 
for your very first number one tune. Before we go to break, I want to play that song recorded live at the Bluebird, but please tell our listeners how you wrote this song and how you got Tim McGraw to record the song, and then we'll be privileged to hear you perform your song, which I love a lot more than even Tim McGraw's version. (laughs) Well, thanks for that. Um, You know, I was creating my tribe in Nashville. Uh, I was finding some people that I thought I resonated with and that I was writing good material with. Um, One of those was a writer by the name of Marcus Hummond, who has gone on to be an amazing successful writer. Um, another's name was Kip Rains, who went on to become a wonderful session drummer and a hit songwriter himself. And the three of us got together over at Marcus's house and Kip and I walked in and, and Marcus was sitting there with his guitar and we said, well, what are we going to, what are we going to say to the world today? And he said, well, I kind of got this little idea and he, and he played for us basically the entire first verse Mm. of one of these days, exactly as it sits. And then he just kind of stopped because he didn't have anything more. And he kind of looked at at me and Kip and he goes, so I kind of got that, but I don't know. You know, I don't know if that's any good or not. Maybe we should look at something else. And and Kip and I were both stunned and went, no, 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 no. That is, that is perfect as it is. Now it needs the picture completed. So we just jumped in and started writing, um, the second verse, which you'll hear, you know, became a different part of the story. And then we sat for a long time with, with how would, what was the resolution going to be? And finally, I did look up and go, and we'll hear when we hear this song that it's, you know, it's one of these days I'm going to love me, 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 me. And we all just threw our hands up and went, of course. I mean, the answer was sitting right there in front of us. So it was a great co-writing process, and uh, it, it got us through and Marcus went on to record that song on his first record for CBS, and that's where Tim McGraw heard it, pulled it right off of that record, and decided to cut it himself and became a number one song. Well, you know, I'm here at Whiteman Air Force Base. There's a huge suicide epidemic in our country. When I was back in the Reagan White House doing Mrs. Reagan's Just Say No, we had a suicide epidemic between 1983 and 1989, and it's starting to raise its ugly head again. And ladies and gentlemen, listen to the lyrics. Every single, I'm getting emotional. Every single time I hear this song, Monty, especially when you sing it and visualize what you're going to hear, ladies and gentlemen, he is live at the Bluebird. Listen to his voice. Listen when he becomes quiet. Listen to the sensitivity on how he presses the strings to give it that Monty Powell feel, just like Carlos Santana gives his guitar a different feel just by the way he presses the, the, the strings onto the keys. Listen to the Monty Powell version from the writer who understands the message. And with tears in my eyes, it's the message of resiliency. It's the message of you never say never, no matter what your past has been, you have a spotless future. We'll be back with Monty right after the song, but I want you to listen to the lyrics and apply it to your everyday life and your personal and professional relationships because, Monty, this song alone in your entire catalog influences the world in more ways than you'll ever be able to count. And so if you never wrote another song, this is it, brother, and we all love you for it. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the Bluebird, 
Monty Powell singing One of These Days. Well, I had the great fortune of having a number one song recorded by Tim McGraw. It's one of my favorite cuts I've ever had. I'm going to do it for you now. Used to chase that boy home from school, call him Freckle Face. Red-headed fool, he was different. He wasn't cool like me. Sticks and stones didn't break any bones, but we never let well enough alone till one day he ran away from home to see. Passed him as he walked away And in his eyes I heard him say One of these days you're gonna love me You sit down by yourself and think About the times you pushed and shoved me And what good friends we might have been Then you gonna sigh a little Maybe even cry a little But one of these days You're gonna love me Now, Addie Sue is a small town beauty. I took one look at her and had to pull her to me. Lord knows she should have seen right through me when I promised her the world. But at 17, you only want one thing, and I left her standing with my high school ring. Innocent tears in the pouring rain as I walked away. And I still see her in my dreams And to this day she's whispering One of these days you're gonna love me You sit down by yourself and think About the time that you turn from me And what good friends we might have been Then you're gonna sigh a little Maybe even cry a little But one of these days You're gonna love me Now everybody stands up Congregation sings It's a song of sweet forgiveness And as the chorus rings A wind blows clear my memory The pages start to turn And suddenly I'm singing The moment that I learn the joy of sweet release 
One of these days I'll rise above me Oh, and at last I'll find some peace And then I'm gonna cry a little And maybe even laugh a little But one of these days I'm gonna love me That was my dear, dear friend and hero, Monty Powell, singing the song he wrote, recorded by Tim McGraw, one of these days. For those of you just tuning in, this is Dan Clark on voiceamerica.com, the Influencers Channel. We'll be right back with more of Monty Powell, Grammy Award-winning songwriter, and we will dig a little bit deeper into his life and philosophy on living. Let's go to break. stories be motivated be inspired join us today voice america influencers become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. it's easy and best of all it's free start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top once you've created an account and signed in you can create your own custom library opt into our newsletter Search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Influence is often inherited, but more often created from our actions. The Voice America Influencers Channel brings together those who are creating and leading the way and those who will create the road from nowhere in the future. Being an influencer isn't always about being the most important person in the world. It's about being the most influential person in the world around you. A better manager, a better friend, a better marketer, or strategic planner. The Voice America Influencers Channel is about becoming better and earning influence. Be an influencer. Join us today. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to The Art of Significance featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Hey, welcome back. Dan Clark, Voice America. We're engaged in a wonderful interview with hit songwriter, Grammy Award winning Monty Powell. So, Monty, just without a due respect to you, let's go right to social media. How can someone download your music? How can someone keep in touch with you, join your tribe? And, you know, one of the great albums is your own album. We'll talk about that in a second. But please, right now, just tell tell the fans how they can actually download your music. And would they be able to hear one of these days your version of it, just like we've played on the radio? Yes, they certainly can. Uh, go to www.montypowell Monty with a Y montypowell.com and you can um, see all the things that we talked about you can find 
my music uh, on iTunes just by searching for Monty Powell. And again, and let me just spell to, that M. Let me spell that Monty M yeah. as in Mary O N T Y P as in Paul O W E L L Monty Powell. That's correct. Search me on iTunes. You'll find the 47 minutes of your time uh, album that I put out. I would send you over to Anna Wilson dot com. That's A N N A W I L S O N. Anna Wilson dot com. She's my wife and partner, and we did that live at the Bluebird Cafe uh, CD together. And mm. that is for sale as a physical CD uh, on her website. And I do a bunch more of my hits, and she does her hits in that beautiful Bluebird acoustic broken down setting. It's one of my favorite records that we have made together. You can find that at AnnaWilson.com. You can find Monty Powell by doing a Google search. I tend to pop up standing next to Keith Urban a lot when you do that. So it's not hard to find. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, as we, as we're winding down our time together, what I'm obviously going to have you back. You're going to be a regular guest. We've already talked about that off air and talk at a later date about your new band called Troubadour 77. But what I want to do is ask you a key question because you're the king. You cracked the code, Monty, in Nashville about how to develop relationships, real friendships and relationships with the artists who have record deals and then co-write some of the greatest hit smash hits with these singer-songwriters. So my question to you is, how did you develop a relationship and such a close friendship mutual respect and support with Keith Urban, and then talk about how you together wrote the the hit song, Days Go By, which we'll play before this segment ends. Well, Dan, I still think it talks, it still works right into all the themes that you're talking about. You have to have the goods. I mean, you know, you have to be above the bar at what it is that you're doing, and that's why you have to continue to pursue your education, always look uh, be looking for that next little nugget, that next little thing, and always trying to turn over another leaf and learn something else. So you have to be excellent at your craft. But to be able to sit in a room with these superstars, there were two things that were always on my mind. And I think it applies to any situation when you're trying to work with someone who maybe is at a station in life above you, a CEO or someone, an influencer out in front of you that you would uh, like to have a relationship with. And the first one of those things always was, I'm the facilitator here. I'm the facilitator. It's their vision. I'm the facilitator. Now, one day it's going to get to be my vision. And when we talk about Troubadour 77 or other things, we'll talk about that. But when I was in the room with Keith Urban, it was his vision, and I was the facilitator. Secondly, make him feel safe. So you create a safe space where there's no judgment, there's uh, no sense of inappropriateness or political correctness or any sort of a, of, a, of a boundary between the two of you. And when that starts to happen, you start sharing ideas that you wouldn't normally share in a lot of groupthink situations. And suddenly you find yourself talking about the themes that come up in a song like Days Go By and not just you know a party song about Hey Baby, Hey Baby. So if you make someone feel safe and you let them know that you're there to facilitate their vision, then I think the information starts flowing and you get a chance to tap into and access someone who is out there that you'd like to be attached to what it is they're doing in the world. So, so true. And to remind the listeners, 
Every song ever written was written with the same 12 notes. And as Dave Mason reminds us on his album cover, if you write the song in English, there's only 26 letters in the alphabet. You take the same three letters and they spell dog or God. And with your passion, creativity, and imagination, Monty, tell us about how you wrote this song, Days Go By, which you just implied has so much more to do with real life and the lessons that we need to learn and to get back up and go again. Teach us about how you wrote this song, and then let's get to the performance by Keith Urban. Sure. I play this song all over the world. It was a four-week number one song on the Billboard charts. But I always say before I perform it, my favorite thing about this song is that it's true. And I was sitting there with Keith, and he started playing the guitar riff that you'll hear. And... We were both feeling, we'd written a bunch of songs together, we'd had hits together, and we felt like that time was moving so, so fast. We were just in one of those places in our lives where kids were growing up, and I said, Keith, we've been doing this for years, can you imagine how quickly the days have gone by? And he just looked at me and stopped playing the guitar, and I, and I nodded, and I went, yeah, you're right, that's it, isn't it? So... We just started from the get-go, from that that point right there going, how can we describe the world in such a way that everyone sees that hectic rush that we oftentimes find ourselves caught up in, and, uh, and we're on the merry-go-round, and we don't have a chance to get off. And so I'm changing lanes. I'm going way too fast. And the next thing you know, we're off and running about something that everyone can relate to. I love it, brother. So give our listeners one more reason to get a hold of you. What what are your social media uh, handles? And then we'll, let's go right to Keith Urban's performance of Days Go By. How do we get a hold of you, brother? How do we download your tunes and keep in touch? Sure. Find me at MontyPowell.com. Find the Bluebird album at AnnaWilson.com and see all the beautiful work that she's done because we're absolutely going to have her on the show and we're going to talk absolutely. about what she does. Um Search iTunes for Monty Powell. Uh, you know what? Just just hop onto the Google and uh, and see some of the places that it'll take you. We're we're, we're out there in the, in the internet world very deeply, and I think you'll find some interesting things. You'll see some of the award things, and it'll take you to our music as well. All right, Monty. Well, uh, it's the promise, public and private, uh, that you're going to be a mainstay on this show to talk about the influences of music. And so that you don't believe that it's just about music, again, may I challenge the listeners to listen to the lyrics. And I loved what you said, Monty. This song is so amazing because it's true. Ladies and gentlemen, Keith Urban's rendition of Monty Powell's number one song, Days Go By. Thanks, Monty. I love you. Hugs to, to, to Anna. And we'll talk in the next few days. Talk soon. Thanks, brother. Somewhere in the race we run 
Keith Urban's rendition of Monty Powell's co-written hit song, Days Go By. If you missed Monty's interview or couldn't hear his rendition live at the Bluebird of his number, his first number one song with Tim McGraw called One of These Days, this show is recorded and you can archive, go to the archives and I challenge you to go to Monty Powell's website, Google him, and we will have him back. As we go to break, ladies and gentlemen, you want to stay tuned right in your seat. We're shifting to a military emphasis with Major General Don Alston, who's not only one of the smartest men I've ever met on the planet, one of the most connected, but he will answer the questions we have about our military influence and the situations in the world concerning North Korea, China, Russia, and Iran, and especially because this is Military Appreciation Month. I want to begin when we come back from break to talk to General Alston about our military spouses and how we can honor them and their families. 
and how we need to show our love and support. This is Dan Clark, Voice of America, Radio Network, the Influencers Channel, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Hear the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Influence is often inherited, but more often created from our actions. The Voice America Influencers Channel brings together those who are creating and leading the way and those who will create the road from nowhere in the future. Being an influencer isn't always about being the most important person in the world. It's about being the most influential person in the world around you. A better manager, a better friend, a better marketer, or strategic planner. The Voice America Influencers Channel is about becoming better and earning influence. Be an influencer. Join us today. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back. You're listening to Voice America. Dan Clark on the Influencers Channel. The Art of Significance just got off the uh, Air with Monty Powell, Grammy Award-winning songwriter, talks about the influence of music in our lives. I wanted, I wanted to uh, shift gears now, and I want to make sure that the, the call-in number is clear, 866-472-5795, because this is an opportunity of a lifetime. My dear friend, Major General Don Alston, is a graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy, MBA, and a recently retired two-star general in the Air Force, now president of Alston Strategic Consulting, specializing in high-sequence strategy planning, excuse me, strategic planning, and safety-intensive operations for nuclear weapons operations, maintenance, and security. In other words, he's one of the smartest guys on our planet, and I can't even afford to pay attention in your presence. My gosh. My cholesterol counts higher than my SAT scores, and now I don't even know what questions to ask this freaking genius. But let me continue before you interrupt me, General. 
From 2005 to 2006, General Alston served in Baghdad as the Deputy Chief of Staff Strategic Communications and Spokesman for Multinational Force, engaging international media with the Iraqi government. This is the guy. Don's final assignment was commander of the 20th Air Force responsible for 9,600 personnel, three operational bases, and 450 deployed intercontinental ballistic missiles responsible for providing the ICBM alert force to U.S. Strategic Command. My buddy Don directed the nuclear task force that executed the most extensive reorganization of the Air Force in 15 years. And trust me, he understands the deterrence and assurance in relation to the volatility of North Korea, China, Russia, and Iran. And I promise we'll answer every question about what could and cannot happen. It's an honor, General. I know you're you're on your way to speak someplace. You're amazing, and you're one of the greatest speakers I've ever heard, and truly one of the smartest people on our planet. We met at EF Warren, the base, uh, the, the missile air base up in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and everybody loves you, and you serve on more boards and consult with more groups at the Capitol building with the Congress and anyone else I've ever met. So. Welcome to my program, and let's just cut right to it. May is the National Military Appreciation Month. I didn't know that until we started talking. So let's talk from your perspective. How many years have you served in the Air Force? And let's talk about from a spouse's perspective as a, as a commander, as a military uh, public affairs protocol, public relations slash everything and the above. What is the message that all of us as voters all of us as citizens need to understand as far as supporting our military and especially our military spouses. Dan, first I have to tell you that only my mother would not have shown any emotion while you enthusiastically uh, referenced parts <laughs> of my bio. So uh, I, I, some of my personal friends would be smiling right now. But uh, no, thanks so much for your, for your very generous introduction. Yeah, this is a great opportunity for, for us to talk about um, you know, the kind of support that our nation gives our military and our military families. They, they give it all the time. I remember walking through airports in my uniform when I would travel, and, uh, you know, you kind of calibrate how much support the nation's giving our um, soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines, and Coast Guardsmen by how many times they buy you a Coke or they, they tell you how much they appreciate your service or, as one mother did, yelling at me one time, General, you take care of our boys and girls. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. So it's, uh, it's really, uh, uh, it, it was certainly an honor to serve for my 34 years. But uh, to make a couple of points with regard to our spouses and our families, um, you know, the military is a very well-respected um, institution in our country. And a lot of families are now involved in the military. You know, mom and dad may both serve, and their kids may follow them. And so every time a, a son or a daughter follows a mom and a dad, um, it's a great thing for us because we we get a troop that uh, knows what they're walking into and uh, and absolutely is uh, you know uh, there, there's very little um, spin up time for that that person because they they've been traveling as a child and and now they're wearing the uniform proudly. Um, but because of the small size of our military forces, um, every time the the Jones uh, son or daughter follows uh, Sergeant Jones. Um, 
Well, that's that's one less uh, American family that would have the opportunity to have someone wearing a uniform. And so as much as I, I do calibrate the great support for our military based on on how uh, how well, you know, walking through the airports or, or just uh, anywhere on the streets of America, how well folks throw their support behind our troops. Uh, we've come a long way uh, over the course of uh, 30 and 40 years. Um, but it is, uh, I worry that there are, um, you know, the number of families in America who have a personal relationship or can understand in great detail the profound sacrifices that the families make um, because they don't have personal experience or maybe someone who's serving in the military. So, so that's one point I wanted to make is that uh, uh, we do get great support across the country, and, uh, and it feels so good when people recognize that support. Um, but um, it's something we can't take for granted, and uh, we need to tend to it, and, uh, and I think it's really important. Yes, and because of my involvement at some of the highest levels in the United States Air Force, I just want the, the general public to realize that the military leadership supports the military families and they look out for the troops and they love them and they love everything they, they about them and they're always going to bat for funding and for resiliency and everything else. The challenge here, General, is for the voting public to make sure we vote for congressmen, congresswomen and senators who will fully fund our military. Right now, the job that four or five or six of our troops should be doing is being done by one or two because of sequestration, because of continuing resolution. So without going there, I just want to, with you on the air, to challenge those listeners to vote for those representatives in our Congress and our Senate who will fully fund the military. Question number one just came up on the board. Let's quickly go to the question. General Alston, how is North Korea affecting our neighborhood do we have the funding to defend our country? Do we have the funding to do what we need to do to deal with the potential responses that Korea is starting to uh, to to make national news? Well, um, I, I I understand you're you're um, you're at Whiteman Air Force Base, and um, you know there are no finer airmen than what you're going to find in the 509th Bomb Wing. They represent our Air Force very very well. And, uh, and they are associated with a, a premier weapon system, a weapon system that, by the way, is pushing 30 years old. I was working on a hill when we flew in the test pilots after they had taken the first flight in the P-2 while, uh, before it began, um, you know, a full-scale manufacturing. And, uh, um, and it, was, it was very important. We had to tend to this. We had a, a stealth day at Andrews, and we flew in the B-2 and a few other uh, the stealth fighter as well, and then we would ferry uh, congressmen and senators out to try to um, emphasize just how important these uh, these weapon systems were and the missions that we were going to involve them in. But one of the things about the, the B-2 and connecting the B-2 and the men and women at, at Whiteman who do us proud every day, um, you know, it's it's not uncommon when North Korea is behaving in a way that we want to get their attention that we ask the uh, uh, the B-2 uh, spirit to fly over the Korean Peninsula. And the message we want to send, which is received uh, loud and clear every time they go, because the, the, the media perpetuates the expression, a nuclear-capable bomber uh, flew <laughs> over the peninsula. So, um, you know, it's, a, it's an extraordinarily important instrument of national power to be able to leverage uh, this absolutely uh, feared and uh, wholly reliable 
a weapon system uh, that is, uh, you know, that has characteristics that certainly North Korea would have a hard time uh, coping with. But it's, uh, you know, the, we are limited in, in uh, a lot of the actions that we can take. Plan A, so far, hasn't been very effective. Um, he launched another rocket over the weekend. Um, he has done five n- nuclear tests, and the sixth one, everyone says, is, is imminent. Um, it is uh, making Japan uh, very concerned on how they should uh, respond and react. Um, they've got uh, a few limited choices. One of them is they've got a constitutional requirement to keep their, um, uh, their military in you know, the Japanese defense forces, but they're, they're engaged in uh, all over the world in peacekeeper operations, um, then they have the tensions and the escalation going on in their neighborhood, and uh, there's discussions there as to whether or not their constitution needs to change and whether or not their mil- military has to take on a larger role in the region. Uh, and then, you know, people are concerned that they have a great capacity in that country to, uh, what if they were to d- develop their own domestic nuclear weapons? Um, mm-hmm. And that starts to get far beyond uh, North Korea, because then China looks and and that would be very disturbing for them and that would be a form of escalation and then the chinese would have to review their doctrine and then maybe they would have to expand they may feel that they would have to expand their arsenal as well so uh, getting back to the root of the question um you know if the if the b2 has been so super effective in the three decades that we've been operating that weapon system um there's going to come a time in the not too distant future um maybe some folks in that wing would take issue with me a little bit but uh, in the not-too-distant future, where all of the great capabilities that weapon system has had uh, may not be as dominant in the environments in the future. Hence, we have a new bomber that we are moving forward with, uh, with funding, the B-21 Raider. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a capability that, that uh, you know, we know how important the B-2 is. And we've got to ensure that, that there are no gaps in that capability. Yes, so, yes sir. Um, so I think what would be of interest to our, our listeners is... Their perception, I think America's voters, their general perception is, why do we have to keep fully funding the military? And I think what you've done is opened our eyes and our hearts to understand that one of the major expenses now is to recapitalize our weapon system, that our tankers, our bombers, our long-range bombers, our fighters, they're all old. They're 30, 40 years old. And if we're going to be serious about our ability to deter, you and I are both big men, and we know we've had this talk several times that we've been able to avoid so many fights because people don't want to mess with us. They know they're going to get their butts kicked. So part of the recapitalization, the the funding, the fully funding of the military is to build up-to-date weapon systems and platforms so we still are a deterrent against China, against Russia, and especially against North Korea. Isn't that what you're saying, sir? Well, you know, the, absolutely, Dan. And, you know, um, Americans um, have a way of life where we're certainly so willing to sacrifice um, uh, to defend the nation um, and to uh, support our allies. Um, but uh, we, we don't want to uh, fight if we don't have to fight. And having the, the capability that uh, compels uh, potential adversaries to say, not today. I, I don't want to, I can't take on the United States today. Um, then that preserves our way of life and it, it preserves our freedoms. And so it, it, I don't think it can be too dramatic when it comes to um, trying to illustrate just how high the stakes are for the nation. And we do, we have done a magnificent job prolonging uh, fantastic capabilities. 
but there's very little additional capability we can squeeze out of the 60-year-old B-52, even though we're going to ask that platform to fly for maybe another 30 years. Um, so uh, this is, we can't be standing on, uh, on uh, that backbone of capabilities. Um, our nation uh, needs to recapitalize, and, and our, our, all of our nuclear weapon systems uh, need that recapitalization because at the end of the day, uh, the most, uh, the highest uh, consequence conflict that we uh, need to uh, foreclose is one involving nuclear weapons. And we would not want anyone to think, you know, today's the day. The United States, uh, their, their uh, weapon systems are weary. Um, how reliable are they today? Maybe today I'll take a chance. Um, it, the stakes are far too high for anyone to, to consider uh, taking a chance like that. Exactly. So in Washington, D.C. last week when we were talking at the uh, at the uh at the conference, you remember teaching me about what was happening in World War II. Share that with our listeners that you said, don't quote me on the numbers, something like we were losing 30,000 people a day during World War II because we did not have a nuclear deterrent. Teach us what we need to know about the significance of having a active and powerful and modernized global strike capability when it comes to nuclear weapons. Well, um, Depending on, uh, you know, what entry in Wikipedia or on the Internet you want to uh, click on, um, let's just say that the range of casualties in um, World War II were between 60 and 80 million. Let's take the low number and say, like, 60 million. And let's, uh, let's just roughly say uh, that the war was five years old. It was longer than that a little bit. But if we did that, that would be 60 months. That would be a million a month, and it's likely more than that which equates to about, what, 30,000, 33,000 people a day, a day. And in Vietnam, as costly as that was for us, um, we lost less than 60,000 um, uh, 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 soldiers and, and that and airmen. And that, that's, uh, those are horrible numbers. I, I, I hate to think that I can uh, talk about the, the quantity of death uh, in, in such a mathematical way. But, uh, man, it certainly brings home that if, if 33,000 people were dying every day for more than five years. Uh, you can see just how devastating it was. And then with the onset of nuclear weapons, as horrible as the effects were at Hiroshima and Nagasaki, um, if you look at the um, uh, major power conflict since those two nuclear bombs were employed um, to end hostilities in World War II, um, there, it, 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 you know, some people deny or they will argue the nuclear weapons, you can't attribute this uh, change in the percentage of uh, human beings on Earth not being killed regularly as a, as a, as a result of war. Um, I, I, can't make, I can't deny that association. And so this is a very special trust that we have, and the men and women at Whiteman have, because they have a nuclear-capable mission, and the ICBM force, and, uh, and, and our, part of our fighter force, and our B-52 force, um, these are um, the, the credibility of, of America's capabilities to do this, um, are, uh, to preserve um, the, the deterrent output that we get out of this uh, great capability. Um, you know, there's no more important record that needs to be improved every year, and that is the intervening years between the last hostile detonation of a nuclear weapon and the next one. Um, it just needs to be preserved year in and year out, and the strength of our nuclear capabilities is the most vital means to uh, to preserve that uh, continuing uh, record and not using these weapons in combat. 
Okay, so let's just bring it down to the everyday Joe and Jill, myself included. Why in this day and age do we need nuclear weapons? The, the, the sediment out there is let's just get rid of all of them. And everybody says, yeah, let's just sit around, hold hands and sing Kumbaya. But one of the most significant things of your parts of your military service for 34 years, sir, was when you were in Baghdad. And talk to us about the reality of evil in the world and that there are some coagulated groups of just evil people who want to do harm to anyone and that we have to open our eyes and realize that not everybody says, let's just get along. Why can't we just get along? That there's some bad people out there and somebody has to step up to them. Please teach us a little bit about the significance of the evil in the world that you've seen and experienced firsthand. Well, as you and I were chatting last week, I, I absolutely believe that there is, there is evil on Earth, and, uh, and, and I believe that there's a high concentration of evil in certain places. And I think that uh, the fact that we chose to fight in Afghanistan uh, as long as that, as prolonged as that uh, engagement has been, and that we chose to fight in Iraq, um, you know, we, um, I, I'm not here to, uh, uh, to debate uh, second-guessing those particular choices that we made, but I believe that fighting over there is is uh, preferable uh, to fighting them, um, uh, you know, in, in America. I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting that's going to happen, uh, you know, tomorrow. What I'm what I am saying though is that left unchallenged, um, you know, evil people can plot evil things, and and with enough time and patience, they can succeed in bringing that evil um, upon, uh, you know, visiting that upon Americans and and uh, our friends and allies. So, um, you know, that, that's a fair debate as to whether or not you can fortify our borders, fortify our ports, fortify our uh, airline industry and continue to do that, uh, which, you know, we must. But, uh, uh, but that can't, that, it can't be a, a one-trick pony. We can't just hunker down here and expect that, uh, you know, folks left unchallenged um, would not be able to effectively succeed. So uh, that's certainly the way I saw the role that uh, I was playing and the role that the, the um, America was playing in the Middle East was to, to be forward and to, to pay a price to do that, but to do that in defense of the nation and uh, and to support our allies as well. So, you know, I, I absolutely believe that, that left unchallenged folks that would like to impose their way of life and their will and their objectives on us at our expense of our way of life and expense of our a lot of Americans and our allies, um, it's worth it. We've got, we've got to engage them. I really don't see other choices. Yes, sir. We have a couple of minutes left here, sir. How about if you just refresh our memories of why the Cold War with Russia is alive and well? What are they doing? What do we as citizens need to be aware of? Uh, and again, from the, the supporting our military and voting for people who will fully fund our military so that we are a deterrent, so that we really can keep Russia and China and North Korea at, at bay. Teach us a little bit about the current Cold War and what we need to, to know so that we truly are afraid for the right reasons. Well, I will tell you that, um, and, and let me be very specific, uh, when the Obama administration came in and they had the challenge to write a treaty, and to write nuclear posture review, they came in with some very, very bright uh, folks in the Pentagon, and I consider many of them to be my friends and uh, very, very thoughtful folks. But the overall effort um, was to see whether or not we could decrease the role of, of nuclear weapons and 
And then there were these expressions of, we want to reset with the Russians. And the Russians were sort of in free fall with their nuclear weapon systems. They were degrading. They hadn't found a way to really turn on the kind of um, uh, production in order to uh, turn their uh, weapon systems, uh, refresh their weapon systems. They've changed all that. And, and there were limits to how far they were going to go anyway with regard to uh, following us, following our lead or being enticed into doing further reductions because it was never in their uh, national interest to do that. And then when Russia went into Ukraine and they took Crimea, they did that by leveraging, part of what they did was they leveraged their nuclear weapons. They, uh, Putin rolled himself out and those other leaders and said, don't forget, we're a major nuclear power, while they sustained their aggression in Crimea and Ukraine. Then did that embolden them to go to Syria, where they were very, very much, they were supporting the Assad regime and, and making making it challenging for the, ally, for the uh, allies to, to do what they were trying to do to prosecute their fight. And, uh, and then does that embolden them to then go to the Baltics to begin to signal to them that, um, you know, they, uh, you know, be careful, uh, Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania, on just how tight you get with the West because uh, there are limits to what we're going to tolerate. And then they specifically threatened Denmark, Sweden, uh, Poland, uh, Turkey uh, with nuclear weapons. Uh, you know, I mean, you're 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 threatening Denmark uh, uh, to u- you're to use nuclear weapons. Uh, it, it it really it it just shows you that whatever we were thinking uh, over the last few years, uh, Russia never shared those thoughts. And so, even today's day and age, I wouldn't say that uh, Cold War Dan seems to be a uh, an expression that people love to throw up to to suggest that our our weapon systems and our thinking are are locked in the past, and nothing could be further from the truth. We've evolved these weapon systems throughout the last 25 years since the end of the Cold War. And so the military and the military thinkers and the way we're um, employing these weapons every day, because we employ nuclear weapons every day in order to effectively deter. It takes sweat and hard work in order for us to be effective with our nuclear deterrence every day, and I can testify to that just because I know the men and women that do this job. It's hard work. Uh, but if you you can't you can't let your guard down with that, and the Russians are showing you just how much uh, they um, uh, use nuclear weapons in their doctrine and in their thinking, um, that uh, uh, that that kind of a threat is very much uh, something they wanna they wanna communicate. And of course, you've got North Korea on the other side of the world uh, that is also uh, doing an awful lot of threatening with their nuclear program. And, and now that defines their country. So, you know, I, I don't see how they walk away from those programs and how we contain them is still a story that has yet to be written. So bottom line, as we wrap up here, sir, what I'm hearing you say is that for those of us who have no desire to serve in the military, for those of us who seek and love and cherish our freedom, for those of us who want to go to the mall while our troops, our airmen, our soldiers, our Marines, our sailors are putting their lives on the line, we need to vote for those individuals who will fully support and fund the recapitalization re- uh, of our weapon systems, support our military families and spouses, and let the military do what they need to do as a deterrent to keep our freedom free. Is that fair enough to say, sir? Dan, you say uh, you say everything beautifully, and uh, I'll I'll tell you, there's there's no greater sign of the support that you get. Then when your young airman who says, uh, I, I've been, I've been, I read the papers, I'm very well tuned in. Um, I might be 19 years old, but don't think for a second I'm not paying attention. 
that uh, that they. It's one thing to see the dance that goes on in Washington. It's another thing to know that your leadership has said. Um, we've put in for this kind of money in order to help you have the tools that you need to do their job. And then, you know, occasionally these young men uh, will try to connect the dots and say, um, so when, exactly when, when, when is that, uh, that capability coming my way? Not so much the big ticket items, but these are other kinds of items uh, uh, that, that uh, the troops know. Where you manifest uh, that national commitment is and where the rubber meets the road is in a maintenance hangar at Whiteman Air Force Base. And so yes. when... When, uh, when the, the things show up that you know that you need uh, and you, you refresh your capabilities to just do your, your, your job every day, um, that's one way that our young men and women try to connect the dots between what they watch on television, read in the newspaper, uh, hear from their leadership, and then uh, when they go out and they apply their trade, their vital trade, on these weapon systems that are defending everybody, uh, whether they're awake or they're sleeping in comfort. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are doing their job to enable that that comfort every day and every night. I love you, General. We'll have you back. Obviously, you already know you're one of my staples. Ladies and gentlemen, Voice of, uh, VoiceAmerica.com, the Influencers Channel. You've been listening to General Don Alston, retired two-star Major General of the United States Air Force, one of the smartest people I've ever met. Is there a way that you can have people get a hold of you, or will we... Uh, Will we get back with you when you uh, when you get Twitter, Facebook, and all that really cool stuff? Or do you have it right now, General? <laughs> yeah, you know, Dan, I've, I've got a Twitter account, but I'll tell you what. I'll go out and I'll uh, I'll support what we just did on my Twitter account. I've never tweeted before, I don't think. So, so uh, I'll, I'll join the real world, throw something out there, and, uh, and if folks want to follow me, uh, I'm, I look forward to that. All right. We just had another question come in from Keith here at Whiteman, but we don't have time, sir. I love you. We honor you, you and your family. And thanks for your 34 years of unselfish service to our, our great America. God bless America. God, God bless our military. And thanks for the insights, General. You have a great day. Dan, thanks for your, uh, your constant support. Uh, I really appreciate it. Take care. Thanks. So this is Dan Clark, Voice Voice America. I keep biting my lip. VoiceAmerica.com, Influencers Channel. Let's go to break, and we'll be back with my dearest friend on the planet. We share the same birthday. I call him his majesty behind his back. Mark Kidd is a seasoned sports marketing media and entertainment executive and currently one of the most influential marketers on the planet Let's go to break and we'll return with Mark Kidd in a moment. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Broaden your mind, open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron. Author, publisher, and life mentor broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back, and I am so excited for this last segment. For those of you who have been listening the entire uh, two-hour program, which is only uh, about an hour and 40 minutes into it so far, you realize that this is the Influencers Channel, and that I always begin with a little humor, obviously. I like to laugh, but I want to make sure we understand the significant influence of music in our lives. And Monty Powell is an extraordinary uh, guest, Grammy Award-winning hit songwriter. And now we just got off the air with retired Major General of the United States Air Force, Don Alston. And this brings us to the last two segments with one of my dearest friends on the planet. As I said before the break, we share the same birthday, March 14th. Our kids have kind of grown up together at the same age, and we have some of the funniest experiences and some of the greatest stories to share that perhaps we will never be able to share on on air. But I want a formal introduction of my buddy, my my guru friend, Mark Kidd, is a seasoned sports marketing, media and entertainment executive, as I said before the break, the break. and he's currently CEO of Captivate. We're going to talk about that in a moment. North America's number one location-based video media network. Prior to Captivate, Mark helped pioneer the corporate sponsorship business for college and high school sports. Where in the early 1980s, he helped create and launch the NCAA, SEC, Big 12, WAC, and National High School Federation corporate partner programs, the Breeders' Cup World Championships, and iHi.com, which is a global youth digital network. You're with me? In 2007, Kidd became president of Wintercom, who was the leading provider of third-party produced content to ESPN. This guy's the real deal for the National Thoroughbred Racing Association, the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association, the Professional Bowling Association, Major League Soccer, NCAA Final Four World Feed, and ESPN Outdoors. 
Bottom line, Kidd was the first executive director of NCAA football and has been an adjunct professor at the University of Dallas Graduate School of Management and, of course, teaching sports and entertainment marketing. Welcome to my show, dear brother Mark Kidd. How are you, bro? Man, I'm doing great. Listening to all that, knowing your background and mine and the fact that we share a birthday uh, with Albert Einstein, I can't help but think he'd be disappointed to know that you and I have the same birthday he, as he does. Uh, it's uh, it's great to talk to you, man. How you been? Good? I'm good. Our families are, are well. And uh, interesting thing, listeners, about Mark Kidd is that he's so in demand. He has two offices, Dallas, Texas, New York. He just kind of travels the world. And that's what you bring to the table, brother. I really believe as an outsider, if I ever was one to interview you and and talk about your strengths, several things would come to mind that I think would be a benefit to the listeners. Number one, you're the ultimate connector. You know how to network at the highest levels and influence the affluent. Number two, you understand that the definition of sales is the transference of trust, that we only do business with those whom we trust. And you have this amazing ability to get people to trust you and believe you're in your vision more quickly than anyone I've ever met. And number three, what I really want to hit home on, brother, is how young you were when you started. That age has nothing to do with success or significance and I really believe that we need to go right to the point of who the greatest influencers were in your life that not only gave you the confidence to walk into strangers' offices and, and pitch million, multi-million dollar sponsorship packages, but let's just start right at the beginning, Mark. How did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about your family, especially your dad, who's in the, the College Football Hall of Fame and your brother, and just talk about that for a few minutes, brother. I think your human side, before we get to the corporate marketing side, is so fascinating about who you are and how you were able to accomplish so much at such a young age. I was lucky. I mean, I was very, very fortunate. I, uh, uh, you know, my um, my father was, uh, and it, well, he, he's still alive, and uh, he was a football coach at a small school in Richmond, Kentucky. And he, uh, when I was, gosh, I think um, my mother had been married previously, and I was a product of that. And so my dad, uh, I, I started living with him when I was probably two, three years old. And I remember we lived on campus, and I had a brother and a sister. And um, the football field was in our front yard, literally. It was campus housing on Park Drive. We were in the last house on a dead-end street. Right next to us was a dorm. Uh, the football stadium was right in front. There was a dorm on the other side of the football stadium. And I remember getting up uh, and watching the extra points from the games you know, come into to our front yard. So I grew up on a football field and on a college campus. And I came of age during the 1960s when there was a considerable amount of unrest on college campuses. This would have been during the Vietnam War, all the protests that were happy, happening. My father had been a you know, pretty strict disciplinarian in terms of the way he ran his football teams. He had a burr haircut at the same time the guys were starting to you know, wear mustaches and Fu Manchus and all those kinds of things. 
but I, I had a chance to just observe how he dealt with people. And, and he, he really believed in the golden rule that you treat people the way you want to be treated. Or he would say, you treat people the way you want your son or your daughter to be treated by somebody. And I just, I just observed. And I watched the way that he believed that a football team should be run. I saw how football teams turn over with talent. There's never the same group of people. You know, he taught me that you you treat people fairly, but you, you can't treat them all the same because they're different. There's, he used to say to me, Mark, I'm a much, much better coach when I have better players. So, you know, it starts with the people you work with and, and then teaching them. I asked him when he came in because the program had not done very well before he got there, and, and the first year he had a losing season, and then he went on – for 39 years, and I think he had only one other losing season in the 39 years that he was there, and he ended up, I think he's, he's in the top 10, somewhere between uh, Alonzo Staggs and Pop Warner, and he's got over 315 victories. But I, you know, I just remember the way he approached things, and I said, when you came into Eastern, you know, what, what were the things you found? He said, well, I thought the playbook was complicated. It was hard to understand. He said, I would just go back to the basics, and I would try to keep it simple and, and try to execute um, with the team so that they understood what to do. And I always found it fascinating, Dan. Every practice he ever opened from the very first time I watched him on the playing field, he sent the center and the quarterback out to exchange the ball. And I said, why? I mean, every day you do that. If you, if you can't snap the ball to the quarterback, you can't run a play. So he said, I believe you start out every single practice with the basics, and then you build from there. So I was, I was lucky. And then, then from, from him, I ended up going to school there. I wasn't smart enough to pass a county 108 and 109, and so I got involved with, um, with radio. And I was fascinated to be able to sit in my home in Richmond, Kentucky on an, at, a, at night and be able to listen to WAI out of San Antonio and hear games from the Spurs or to listen to WHAS in Louisville, Kentucky and follow Kaywood Ledford and the, um, the Kentucky basketball team or stations coming out of, you know, out of New York and other places. And, and it just fascinated me that that technology was there and it would transport me into those communities. And I got kind of the bug of radio and I ended up got, getting involved in broadcasting. And I came out of college and went to work for a guy by the name of Jim Host, who you know well. And mm-hmm. Jim had been a lieutenant governor at the state of Kentucky, young, had, had really, he was the, the last, he was, I guess his administration was the first Republican administration in the, in the state of Kentucky under Louis Nunn for almost 20 years or so. And so Jim was a politician. He had been involved in sports. He was a baseball player. The time I went to work for him, I think Jim Hostin Associates had 25 employees. They had a contract with the University of Kentucky uh, broadcasting their games on radio. They had a relationship with the National Tour Association, which was an association management business. And, and then when I left there, 23 years later, we were probably 450 employees, and we were one of the fifth, like we're the fifth largest sports marketing company in the world. And uh, so it was a fun, fun ride. So I remember the great story. How old were you when you landed the job with Jim Host? And he was the consummate professional salesman, as you would share. Oh. And then teach us about how quickly you caught on. What did he do to mentor you 
as a message to the listeners that we too can also mentor others and it's our responsibility you know coming off a military segment the the purpose of a leader is to grow more leaders general creech was famous for saying that talk for a second about the relationship that you had with jim host when he first hired you how old were you and then how did you become the consummate professional salesman so quickly you know, I went to work for Jim right out of college. Uh, I went over and I did a little homework and found out that he, um, you know, liked to get up early in the morning. So I uh, I got an appointment and went and met him. I, I remember him saying, I can see at 7.30. So I'm like, okay. I didn't get up that early. It's the whole time I was in college. But I got up, went over, sat down with Jim. I went in and told him what I wanted to do, that I wanted to come to work for him. And uh, and so he hired me right on the spot. He told me that I could come to work making a thousand dollars a month, draw versus commissions, and I'd go to work selling the University of Kentucky game programs. And and but what Jim did for me more than anything was he included me and he allowed me to go around with him on sales calls. He would share with me the strategy and the thinking behind what he was trying to do. And uh, and as we. As we grew the business and we got involved with the NCAA and we started representing them for corporate sponsorships and those types of things, he would include me in the room and I'd be able to go with him. And Jim, in those days, he was a voicemail guy. We didn't really, you know, he would dictate and we had voicemail. So he would make sure after any major meeting or any major presentation or something that he would either dictate and explain to me what took place and happened, or he would leave me a voicemail message. And through that, I was able to pick up and watch him and see how he did things. And after being with him, you know, probably four or five times, I could pretty much give the same speech that he could on the presentations. But where I learned the most was being in the room when people would ask questions. And the things that they would ask questions about were not things that were necessarily in the sales materials. And listening to him answer those questions and doing that, and after a, you know probably, I'd say, two months, I, I could answer almost all those questions when they came up. And I had, a, I had confidence in myself to be able to do that through that. And when I didn't know something, I learned early on that it's better off to tell somebody you don't know and you'll get back to them than it is to bluff because sometimes people challenge you and they want to make sure you know what you're talking about. And if you, if you act like you know something and you tell the wrong story, all it does is it destroys your credibility. If, on the other hand, you're honest and you tell somebody that I don't know but I'll get back to you, it, I think it, it ends up uh, increasing your stature and increasing your credibility because so many people are afraid to tell you they don't know something. And I, um, and I don't think that's a crime. I think it's, it's helpful for you to recognize what you're good at and what you're bad at, and the more you understand your weaknesses, then you can surround yourself with people that complement your weaknesses while you can play to your strengths. And and Jim was good at doing that. He was really, really good at doing that. I love it. Okay, so let's go to break for a second, but before we do, <clears throat> I want to plant the seed. I want to come back with you and have you teach us about Captivate and how you use that opportunity, brother, to influence the world. It's so fascinating to me how you actually believe and actually execute the reality that you can change someone's mindset on their way to work, which will increase productivity. I don't know if I got that right, but that's my impression. No, of what it's all true. Very true. I look forward to it, Dan. 
Okay, let's just go to break, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dan Clark, Voice of America, Voice America, and you're listening to the Influencers Channel. And I'm going to try and take some English speaking lessons before we come back, as I keep biting my lip. Let's go. Hear the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Become a member of voiceamerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to The Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Holy cow, we just had a, a question come in on, 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 the, on the text, the email, that says, Mark, um, rumor has it that our generation, we men from our generation, will change jobs seven times in a career, and yet millennials, they claim, will change jobs 17 times in a career. So with your experience, I want to talk about how do we not only spend money training, but more significantly, how do we how do we conduct ourselves in a way to retain these best employees to help build something new? In other words, you uh, were wined and dined. You were whisked away to head up this company called Captivate. Tell us about what Captivate does. What is your mission? Uh, how it influences mindset and behavior and productivity on a daily basis, and then tying into this question from from the from the internet, James wants to know how does that message help retain him? I suppose as one of your best employees because of what you're involved in at Captivate. Please teach us. 
Yeah, so let's just start with the uh, millennials versus, you know, our generation, the uppies, and the number of jobs. I, I think regardless of whether you're changing jobs every single year or whether you're staying in the same job, the question you want to ask yourself are, uh, is, are, am I in a position where I'm doing the same thing over and over again so that I've got 20 years at the end of 20 years? Do I have one year's of experience 20 times or do I have 20 years' experience? And, and I think that the, the trick is how do you push yourself and the company you work for to continue to evolve and to change your job. The job I started in when I went to work at, Ho, uh, at Jim Host and Associates changed completely by the time I left there 23 years. And so I was able to work with Jim to reinvent myself as the company was growing. And and, and, you know, millennials today, I really believe, are very, very much just like you and I are. I think the difference is they came up at a different economic time, and I think the, the things that companies had in the way of pensions and those types of things, those things don't exist anymore. So I think kids are looking for and understanding how to be in a sharing economy, how to take all the information that's available for them. I mean, when you and I were growing up, Dan, we had three or four television stations to choose from. We came of age when FM radio was coming on the scene. Now, people are growing up, and they have information at their fingertips, and frankly, the world at the end of their arm in a mobile device, right? And so that just changes access to information, how you think about yourself, and how you position yourself, and Captivate, which is an office media company, but most people know us as screens and elevators. If you've been in an elevator and you've seen a screen with news and information and the weather on it, chances are good that's one of Captivate's screens. We've got, well, uh, just over 1,800 to 2,000 screens across North America. We're primarily in Class A office buildings. And the, and the service came about because the founders got in an elevator and they realized what an awkward uh, space this was. And, and generally speaking, the research said that if you had nothing to do and you were in there with people you didn't know in this cramped up space, you tended to look at your navel or your feet. But the moment there was something you could focus on, you would turn your attention to it. If that thing you were focusing on had news and information and something that would engage you, then what ended up happening over time is Captivate built this brand that reduces anxiety in offices because it brings value and interest into this awkward social space. And so, therefore, people in Captivate buildings actually have higher customer satisfaction in the workplace. And millennials are a huge, huge part of our market today because in the 60s, 70s, 80s, people would move into office buildings and you would have your office, you'd have a secretary. Today, you go into any office in any major market and you see what I call trading desks. And there's a lot more people working in those spaces and those urban markets are delivering more services to those people and people are living their lives at work. And so what Captivate tries to do is it tries to add value, give people information when you're in these moments of transition. And the thing I didn't appreciate until I did some research when I looked to take this job was that there are more people transported up and down uh, in elevators on a global basis than any other form of transportation in the world. Elevators are, in fact, the very first self-driving cars. Everybody's talking about self-driving cars, self-driving cars. Elevators are a perfect example of what those are. They're transporting people 
vertically, right, up and down, as opposed to horizontally across the land. And um, and that's what's pretty cool about Captivate is we've been able to to figure out and to understand what people are looking for in those spaces. And we really, uh, I find out from time to time, we have research that supports this, but I have people come up to me when they find out what I do, and they'll be like, oh, my God, you, you, you're Captivate. It, let me tell you what this thing does for me. And that's that's fun to see that happen. Exactly. And that ties into your your understanding of the millennials when they can feel like they're part of something larger than themselves where their job changes every day and makes it exciting for passion, creativity and imagination. And they're influencing the world. They're actually making a difference that their life matters. Maybe that's the secret to retention. What do you think? You know, it's funny, Dan. We're, I'm getting ready to head tomorrow to uh, to Gettysburg, and I've got a, a session with a group. With um, a, 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 we were talking about a general earlier, but we've got someone from the War College that's going to talk to us about Gettysburg and what happened. And really, the story is about leadership and what is it is that, that, is that compelled. Is that, is that Colonel McCausland? Is that I, 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 I think I think that's who's going to be there. I don't know because I haven't seen the name of the speaker, but I know we've they've arranged for us to sit through a session, and he's going to walk us through what happened on the battlefield, and yeah, he's going to talk about why, you know, what was it that would cause these men to come together and know they're going into a situation where they may, in fact, may not come out with their life, and yet they were willing to put it all on the line to fight for a cause, for something that was, in many respects, greater than themselves. I, I think those same things happen in athletic environments, and I watch my father teach and instill in people how hard work and a common goal and working together to accomplish something created something bigger than the individual. And to me, in business, what you look for is how can you create an environment that people feel like they have the power to make a difference, they have the authority to make a difference, and more importantly, they have the support from their management to make mistakes because it's only through those mistakes that you learn how to get better and how you improve. And if you can create that kind of environment, people start to all of a sudden understand that, hey, I can try this. They've got my back. I'm going to do something different. And that's where great ideas come from. And that's, in my view, that's how you create tremendous cultures. Yes, sir. So last question, brother. What advice would you give to a college graduate coming out now as a CEO of several different companies over the course of your year, of your life? What what are you looking for? What would a millennial, what would a college graduate do or say in an interview with you that would give him or her the competitive advantage where you say, you are welcome to captivate, you get it, you're part of our culture. What what do they need to work on? How can they better themselves and, and sharpen their saw? Well, we try to look at Dan as we try to understand what they want to do with their life and their brand. Our view is that each employee has their own brand and their own story, particularly in this millennial economy you're talking about. If we can understand what they want to do with their own personal brand, our point of view is that we're going to help them achieve what they want to do with their own personal brand, and that in turn will benefit Captivate. And if we can align those two things together, then we can help those people grow, become smarter, become better employees, and at the same time, Captivate will benefit from that. Uh, you know, some people talk about uh, a company as a pond or a stream, and sometimes when you have ponds, people come in, they stay there, they don't change, they start to use up all the nutrients and the type of things inside of a pond, and it gets stale. 
And, and yet, if you have a stream for a company, sometimes it moves too fast, people are churning too quickly, and, and while there's nutrients and new people coming in and out, you don't always maintain the institutional knowledge that you have when you start something. So what we try to look at is how can we create an environment that nurtures people in their space to learn and get better, give them training, give them tools, at the same time, step back and say, we're going to be transparent, we're going to hold you accountable, but if you're trying to build your own personal brand inside of what Captivate's trying to do, then we're going to both end up benefiting from that, and we'll leave the experience in a better place. If you choose to stay here for 20 years, we want to make this a 20-year ride for you. If you just choose to stay here for two years, then we want to make sure you get the most out of it, and we get the most out of you. And when you do it that way, and both parties understand what you're trying to do, I think it just creates a better partnership between the company and the employees. Wow. And, you know, all these years that we've known each other, you just gave me a, a clear insight into how come you're such an amazing spouse, what an amazing father you are, and what an amazing son and friend you are. I, I love you so much, and I'm going to have you on. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark's going to be my co-host as often as he can fit me into his biz, busy schedule, traveling from New York to Dallas and back and forth again. Mark, I, I appreciate you. You have so much wisdom and uh, for the record, yeah, I'm older than you are. I want everybody to know that because when I was growing up, a text was a book you actually checked out in the library and a tweet oh. was something that Barbara Walters gave to her pet dog. So, yeah, uh. I am old. I am old, so it's good to get some, some young blood. Ladies and gentlemen. Great talking to you, Dan. Tep Kelly, kids, everybody, I send my love. We miss Bear Lake, and we miss you guys, and I uh, look forward to seeing you next time you're in Manhattan or, or Texas, and as you know, Seth got engaged, so he's going to get married, and that's, uh, that'll be, we'll come into you with some, some conversations around that and some stories, because I know you've been through that drill a number of times okay. with yours. Okay, brother, I will have you back. Ladies and Talk gentlemen, it was Mark Kidd. Thanks, brother. This is Dan okay. Clark, voiceamerica.com, and uh, you're on the Influencers Channel. Let's go to a quick break and then come back quickly for a, a wrap-up, and we'll send you on to your week to uh, make sure it's a significant week, more significant than last. Hear the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com again that's jeff spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com voice america is where you are and where you want to be join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available don't forget to view all our live events including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events we don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel.
You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to The Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. So welcome back. I, I I need to figure out a way to tie a little bow around this this dog and pony show today, and hopefully remind all of us of how each of these segments and each of these three in, incredible guests actually overlapped and started explaining the exact same message of the power of influence. You know, I played football for all those years, and I was paralyzed for fourteen months. Sixteen doctors told me I'd never get better. As I started to get better, I was asked to speak, and that's how I parlayed into a full-time speaking and writing career, having been sponsored into the National Speakers Association by Zig Ziglar back in 1982. And as I reflect back on my 35-year career, the goal is to take what is important to us and what we know about and use our platform to influence the world. Music, military, marketing from Mark Kidd's perspective, What I want to do is just leave you with a thought. Because I'm so uh, adamant about the fact that my injury, my my football accident was clearly one of the best things that ever happened to me. Don't misunderstand me. It's not one of the best things that happened to me, but what I became, who I became as a man and what I learned about priorities as a result of going through the setback clearly makes it one of the best and most significant things on the planet, has influenced me. My injury and my affiliations and my understanding of life through my guests, through my friends, have all influenced me to understand this as I wind down our time together and encourage you to join me next week. My website is danclark.com and I want you to go there and click on receive free gifts and training so we can keep in touch. We become the average of the five people we associate with the most. Join my tribe, get some free stuff, some free recordings, some free quotes. It'll be an amazing experience for us to grow together each week. Next week, obviously, I'm going to have another hit songwriter. I'm going to have some more military moments. And I'm definitely going to talk about love and relationships. So definitely you want to tune in. And to leave you on a high and a deep, provocative understanding of how come it is okay for us to fall and fail. You are under no obligation, my friends, to be the same person you were a year ago, a month, day, or even 15 minutes ago. You have the right to grow, but can only grow when you comprehend sadness gives depth, happiness gives height. Sadness gives roots, Happiness gives branches. Happiness is like a tree going up into the sky, and sadness is like the roots going down into the womb of the earth. Both are needed. The higher a tree grows, the deeper it goes. The bigger the tree, the bigger the roots. Are you with me? Simultaneous and in proportion. This is why with that closing Clarkism, Pain is a signal to grow, not to suffer. And once you learn the lesson the pain is teaching you, the pain goes away, which means in life there are no mistakes, only lessons that make you strong, adversity that keeps you real, and tests that hold you accountable. Until next week, danclark.com, join my tribe. 
This is Dan Clark on the Influencers Channel of VoiceAmerica.com. You have a great week and encourage your friends and associates and family members to tune in every Tuesday so that I can keep my promise and you leave my program saying I like me best when I'm with you. I want to see you again. God bless our troops. God bless America. And until we meet again next Tuesday, you have a great day and a fantastic, significant week. Thanks for being part of the show. Be sure to join Dan Clark next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time for another edition of The Art of Significance on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Remember, you too can achieve the level beyond success.